The year is 1986. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Frankie. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year. This is 1986, Part 2. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by not one guest, as as usual here on the My Marvelous Year show, but two mm-hmm. very special <laughs> guests. Uh, first and foremost, we have our, our usual guest-in-chief, uh, Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Good, good. Thank you, Dave. Yep, no problem. And more excitingly, way more excitingly, <laughs> we have yeah. a brand new guest. Uh, it's Frankie from the Fantastic Frankie. How is it going, Frankie? Hey, guys. Um, great. Hey. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I feel like this is a legit comic book coverage show, so super hyped when Heck I got yeah. that invite. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the nicest thing quote, anyone's ever for said. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I listened. I was like, this is legit. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. Weird. That is that's what weird. we're going for here. So this is My Marvelous <laughs> Year. We are the show where we go from the origins of Marvel Comics through to today. We read year by year on a chronological basis. And as I mentioned, that we are in 1986. Again, as I mentioned, pretty much every time we talk about this year, a crazy big year in comic book history with the publication of Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, and all sorts of other extremely important, important and interesting works. Today, we are going to be talking first about a Punisher miniseries, which has uh, now known as the Circle of Blood five-issue story arc. And then we're going to talk about a whole massive smorgasbord of X-Men and mutants. We're going to talk New Mutants, Uncanny, X-Factor, a couple of annuals, and, uh, and then we do have a patron special submitted issue uh, continuing with the New Mutants trend. So without further ado, I think let's, uh, well, actually a little bit of a do. I'm going to do a little bit of a do. Uh, if you like the show and, uh, and you want to help us out, uh, you can go on over to iTunes and rate and review. That helps us tremendously in terms of finding a new audience. Uh, and if you really like us, you can go to patreon.com slash this year and check out some of the special benefits and tiers and ways you can help out. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Can I, before we uh, before we kick into the comics, just uh, we can do more of this at the end. But Frankie, where can people find you online? And can you you want to give like your elevator pitch for your your online yeah uh, deal? And then we can talk about it at length at the end. Absolutely. So yeah. I create what I would like to think of a debate forum for fans of comic books, anime, and sci-fi. Um, I do my theories on YouTube and on Instagram at Fantastic Frankie. Uh, which is Frankie spelled F-R-A-N-K-E-Y. And I also like to argue with people on Instagram at Fanboy Fighter. (laughs) Uh, But I have a lot more fun on on Instagram. So what I do is I, I look at things like comic books, like anime, and I just interject my opinion there. And I just let it fly. So it's very interesting conversation if you like to see a different perspective. If you like to see me fight off a bunch of hardcore fans, this is definitely the page for you. <laughs> yes. It's, oh God, I love like 
I, I've been watching a bunch of your YouTube videos and like some of your takes are so good and so like I'm just like man she's she is brave to be putting that out there because I I like say stuff on this show like oh, I don't know 80s X-Men is uh is fine and not g- great it's fine though and people lose it at me and you're yeah. you know out here just and, like, and by people he's po- he's pointing at me you can't see it on the show. <laughs> that is very clearly I yeah I'm definitely the I, I wouldn't call myself like your standard hardcore fan kind of thing, but definitely I'm more immersed in it. You know, like I run a website about comics. I, I love this stuff. So I, I definitely do come to it with that, you know, just like that passion for it, but also an acceptance of like, like I'm not so blind that I can't see there might be things to criticize here. Um, but I'll never admit that out loud to you, Zach. Just want you to know. I, I, I live in yeah. the nuance. Like I'll love a piece a comic book and anime and then at the same time be like yeah but this 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 and this part sucked <laughs> the sure, same time. For sure. yeah 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 you can be critical of something and still still enjoy it you know absolutely so speaking of things we're definitely going to have criticisms and complications regarding mm. uh the punisher we have five issues oh, here. what do you mean oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not what's problematic the... <laughs> at all no no not even a little uh, so this is the five-issue mini that dropped in 1986. It's written here by Stephen Grant. It starts with art by Mike Zeck and inks by John Beatty. Uh, this is, I think, in, in many ways, again, I mentioned this is the story called The Circle of Blood. It's in many ways what we think of when we think of the Punisher now. Like, he really hasn't, Frank Castle as a character, really hasn't been this version of himself to date in in at least our curated selection of my marvelous year readings right like we've seen yeah, him sure. as the like almost comical like anti-hero in the pages of spider-man um he's still kind of like you know maybe he's using rubber bullets or you know like there's some sort of well we don't know if he's straight up out here like killing people but that that changes here right this becomes I think spider-man was like thank god i convinced him to use his quote-unquote mercy bullets <laughs> His mercy, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure the, I'm sure the victims of those felt uh, felt the mercy. Um, yeah. But but here we're getting the the series starts with the Punisher in prison. Uh, in probably my favorite of the five issues, actually, yeah. is this first one. It's yeah, it's yeah. prison break Punisher, and um, it definitely it definitely like really instills that ethos of he is he's like the scourge of the underworld. Right. Like every criminal knows him. Every criminal's terrified of him. And we're using criminal here very broadly. Right. Like this is a huge sweeping, you know, Zach, to your common thinking here. Like there's there's no nuance to this. It's just like you are big mob guy. You are big, you know, prison criminal. Right. Like these aren't characters hardly aside from when we get to like Jigsaw, who's a a well-known Punisher villain. Um, What did what did both of you think of these Punisher stories? Because I don't. I don't. It's kind of like the the death of Gene, the death of Gene DeWolf we read not too long ago, where it's like you can't possibly read '80s grim and gritty Punisher in 2020 the same way anymore. You know, like there's just a lot of layers to what it means, and and frankly, like what it means to celebrate this character. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, it's a it's a challenging thing that I think ties a lot of people into knots. Um, I still really like this first issue a lot, and then the series kind of yeah. progressively becomes a little less and less focused for me. Uh, what are your takes? Um, so I, I read it thinking this did not age well. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from, from the, I think there's a line where they say um, the trusters mentioned something about make America great. 
And I was like, oh, no kidding. I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and I was like, what is going on? Um, but even before that, uh, it's always been hard for me to accept the Punisher. Um, just as a, a black woman, I see this like white guy just taking justice into his own hands and like just shooting up everyone. And I just never trusted sure. him. Um, yeah. And then reading Circle of Blood, I was like, I knew it. I knew it, man. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the no, thing, like, you can kind of, I feel like you can almost tell a lot of these writers or artists and writers will be like, well, we can't make all the criminals he's killing black, but, like, <laughs> they still get racially coded in a white, like, it's a bunch of white guys that are still coded, like, you know, they're they're, they're dressed, you know, like, coded black, mm-hmm. and it's like, it definitely still has a feel. I, so something I've, I complain about a lot with this kind of like grim and gritty crime and punishment stuff is that it makes crime totally apolitical. Yeah. Right. Like it's just that like these people are psychos and like they're you know there's junkies just killing your grandma for fun blah 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 that stuff and that's boring. This at least the first issue and then it got worse for this. The Punisher can only really work for me when he's like either it's actually dealing with that stuff right like when the comic book doesn't want you to like him and the comic book is showing that like this is a screwed up character in a screwed up world and he's kind of a villain and like i can deal with like if they're really willing to grapple with that or go the complete other way and it's totally silly and kind of removed from reality Mm -hmm. and like in the first issue i kind of had that like it just felt like an exploitation film Mm -hmm. where it was just like very silly and it's like jigsaw it's a guy who's face you know like face is been pulled apart by the punisher and it's it felt yeah in some like really corny uh italian mob boss that kind of thing and then as it went on it kind of got more into the weeds of just like yeah he's just killing people and you know like there's the femme fatale woman who throws himself herself at him for like literally in the course of a page for and then she's you know double crosses him and i i don't know like that was very that was very bondian actually yeah that sequence yeah it was where weird. it's you know the femme like, fatale like comes and just gives herself to him like not really for plot purposes i mean i guess ultimately she betrays him but it was kind of just like well we have our action hero and this is this is what happens for the the hero in this type of story yeah, you know for sure. it's just, very power fantasy yeah yeah it's just hitting those beats of what is what is 80s action at this point in mm-hmm. time right because that's that's what punisher comes to embody i think here in so many ways um which can be definitely just sort of like a mindless thrill Right. Like there's there's an appeal to that. And I'm not even like a huge I'm not frankly, I'm not a huge action movie fan or even like specifically a huge Punisher fan. I think probably I'm for being somebody who talks about Marvel Comics as much as I do and, and obsesses over them. Like I probably like Punisher less than almost everyone. <laughs> like it, I feel like a lot of the time, you know, like Punisher and Ghost Rider, those sorts of like these are cool characters. Like they never quite work for me. Um, yeah, sure. This this series I did think like sets the stage reasonably well by by making it less about the Punisher decide at least initially deciding who to kill like on the streets and more just like well yeah. he's in prison so we can just we can just take for granted that they're all big quote unquote comic book bad guys you know what I mean like you you can do that sort of no gray no nuance black and white like oh, these are all the bad guys. They're in prison because this is Marvel Comics and that's the universe. And seeing him function in that environment, I think actually works really well because mm-hmm. it just lets, it it lets, it's like no strings attached Punisher almost. Um, even though obviously if you bring I mean, it into the real world, there are. Yeah, problems. of course. I mean, well, at that point, like 
all superheroes are cops. You know, right. like, you kind of have to swallow a little bit of, like, the end yeah, goal right, of all sure. these guys is, like, you know, that they're turning over people to the cops, right? Like, I, I think we all have to live in that dissonance a little bit. That they're, I, I say that they're a, a private sector of the government. Y- yeah, the for sure, exactly. Instead. I mean, you know, people are, like... I mean, there's a little bit of the, the outcry about, like, the Spider-Man PS4 game, which does stuff that, like, annoys me, for sure, in its tone about cops. But, like, people being like, man, like, he just works so close with the cops. And it's like, I mean, Spider-Man always has. What do you what do you think he's webbing up guys for, right? Like, for <laughs> He drops them off up, right, right at like, the, the station. Right. He literally leaves notes on them. Like, you know, here you go, officers. Anyway, yeah, I, yeah it's, so, it's I mean, not the, super the first the first I, I think one of the interesting things about silly. Punisher is... Oh, go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the first issue was silly in the way that, like, the beginning of Garth Enos' run on The Punisher is, which is the only one I really like. Yeah. Which is, like, that it's so big and cartoony that I can kind of, like, place it out of the realm of any kind of real-world thing, and it doesn't, like, I don't know, it doesn't trigger that, uh, like, discomfort for me. The same way, like, John Wick is that, like, hyper-violence <laughs> that, like, yeah, really, okay, yeah, that, like, that kind of hyper-violent thing usually, like, turns my stomach, but that those movies are so, like, silly and in their own little moral universe that like yeah it kind of it helps me separate it that's a good comparison i think actually now to look at like what what are the right what are the ways to enjoy the punisher you know given all of the baggage that that can entail i think john wick is kind of like frankly the ideal um i do want to give some credit here too so this is stephen grant writing and i i had in my head that he also did a lot of batman and judge dread that's alan grant i had to look that up Uh. so (laughs) stephen grant is in fact most well known for his Punisher, the Hardy work. Boys. Oh, sorry, he wrote a bunch of Hardy Boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Punish, the Punisher versus the Hardy Boys was his most <laughs> celebrated <laughs> work. No, but like, I think he does a good job actually with what has come to be known as the Punisher's War Journals. Right? I don't. He doesn't invent the concept, but this this use of like, yeah, Frank journals, <laughs> and that's and that's how we get all these really detailed noir thoughts. It, it's actually a very functional approach to like getting inside the head of someone who is. When you look at the outside, and whether it's the police of the city, whether it's civilians, whether it's criminals, they're all like, this guy's a cold-blooded killing like monster. Because I, I think that fear that other people can hold about the Punisher, it comes through in Daredevil Season 2, actually, on Netflix, um, really well, where it's like, yeah, this guy's a mass shooter. Like, yeah. That's terrifying, you know? Like, that's a scary, scary modern parallel that makes the Punisher extremely hard to stomach. Um and what Grant is doing is, is certainly not that, like, very deliberately, right? It's a different time. It's 86. Um, but it, getting inside Frank's head, you're when you're viewing it from that perspective, it's much easier to be like, yeah, I'll follow this guy. Like, I'm, you know, it's less scary, I guess. And, and like I said, I think some of it is that it didn't age well. And they, in 88, it was a time when we were asking for that type of dark, gritty, like, that was all the rave. There, there weren't as many mass shootings. I, I really don't know how much. So it it's just it just read different than like rereading it now and having For sure. the knowledge and the craziness that goes on now. And then you read, you know, the Punisher acting crazy in Rikers Island. And you're like, this is this is totally different, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that works well about that first issue is him starting in prison is like, oh, yeah, that's the right place for him. Right. <laughs> like, good. I'm glad you're <laughs> you know? there. You deserve to be there. Like, I, yeah. I'm sorry about your family, but, yeah, you should be in jail. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so I, I don't actually think, like, Stephen Grant's writing is all that great. Because uh, I was actually reading the war journals and being like, can you imagine finding these and reading them? Because, like, this is bad writing. Like, 
the Punisher writing these out, if you found these as a journal, it would just be like, I don't know. Do you- Walked into the group, a group of thugs. They, they thought they had me outgunned. They were wrong. Do you, do you think Frank Castle would be eloquent, though? No, I guess that's a good point. Like, maybe it's intentionally, like... If it was really, like, really poetic, you'd be like, this doesn't feel... Yeah, <laughs> you'd be totally like, why correct. is he writing like this? <laughs> yeah. Like, it kind of feels like like if Mac from It's Always Sunny was writing, like, his war journals. That's, right? that's like, exactly... He was trying to yeah. write, like, a screenplay of, like, an action movie. That's how... That's exactly <laughs> how I would imagine Frank Castle writes. <laughs> I, I I think the only thing that really like salvaged this and made it readable, I think Mike Zeck's art is really good here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's definitely at the the working in the realm of Frank Miller's stuff from Daredevil. There's a lot of stuff that's pulling straight from Daredevil, and I think it works. I think he like really effectively channels this kind of like dynamic storytelling because I think every page here looks really good, even if the story is. So I just read um, Green Arrow: The Longbow Hunters, which came out like within a year or two of this. Got it close, yeah. It's so similar in tone and literal story. It's just mm-hmm. like a bunch of old white guys are getting together to like stop the main hero or something. Like I, I was thinking about the Punisher today and I was like, why was there a serial killer in the middle of this? Oh, no, wait, that's the Green Arrow. Th- like I was mixing up plot elements because it's so similar in tone mm-hmm. and story. And I think like the trust thing, I don't know. I didn't care about this. It was just like a little incomprehensible to me by the end, or at least I forgot it as soon as, soon as I was done reading it. I kind of forgot it. Um, but like, I think the artwork is really what sold this because Mike Zach is doing good work here. I, I love Zach's work during this time yeah. period. I, I loved I him back on him. Secret yeah. Wars, obviously, but this and then Craven's Last Hunt next year is like definitely some of his Seeing that he did stuff. that, yeah, it got me excited because I'm, I'm already like, my hype for uh, Craven's Last Hunt is so high because of J.M. DiMatteis. Yeah. like his writing and then like I didn't have any context for Zach but I don't know have you read Craven's Last Hunt Frankie? No I haven't oh, there that, you go I, bought that on like, 87 for uh, for Craven's Last Hunt it's, so it's worth a read I'll, yeah. put, I'll put it on my list I did have a question though um, what are your thoughts on Jigsaw as a villain in, in the series and just overall so, I always felt bad for him <laughs> sure right? yeah he gets totally. beat up so badly and so often like he's definitely a, he's a comedy beat in this series like every time he shows up it's like oh how's he gonna get you know punked next um he's not i actually like him because he's not menacing yeah you know like he's not scary but he so badly wants to be i think you're right you do almost end up or at least i almost end up empathizing where it's like oh this poor guy yeah like, yeah, like Frank like tears up his face and, then he goes... and they keep bringing up how that he used to be handsome like they keep mentioning how handsome he used to be yeah yeah just to, to rub it in yeah. all I could remember I think it's the the 1989 version of the Punisher the live action and they have J- mm-hmm. Jigsaw in it I always mix that up with the one with um, John Travolta in it but either way oh yeah they have Wait, jigsaw is, that, is he playing Jig- huh sorry sorry they're, they're like two it, different ones but either way one has jigsaw okay. in it and it's so comically the makeup is so comically bad right yeah. it looks like they just yeah. put wax on there and like dab some like red stuff on there to make it look like it was bloody and that's all it's I a hard thing of. to sell without being like too gross you know, without without being like un unwatchable, because they in the in the Netflix series, The Punisher, Jigsaw is hilarious because there's like a few. I don't know if you watched, but like there's a few issues of build, or episodes of build up, and then when they finally do the reveal of like, oh man, what happened to his face? He's got like one scar, and he's still like the prettiest guy. <laughs> like, like he looks great. It's like the scar made him cooler somehow. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, it's compared not great. to the. 
the 2008 one's the only one that like really did it well uh the war zone which i haven't even seen but i've seen pictures and that guy looks he looks pretty rough <laughs> in that one I, I you know what if i didn't know jigsaw was a thing this guy would have left no impression on me mm. though like i've never read another jigsaw comic or comic with him in it so like the only reason i knew his name even tracked with me he would have stuck out as much as like whatever that italian don was to me <laughs> basically if uh if i didn't know like he was a big punisher villain apparently. yeah i yeah. do like how the second issue it doesn't quite fulfill this promise but i really like the idea of the punisher going after the kingpin i think that's a very natural progression for this character to be like well it's a war on crime so why don't i take out like the kingpin of crime like that's a really good villain for him um obviously in this case it's a fake out which then frank uses to his benefit by actually like he calls ben yurik in the press and says hey i killed the kingpin go ahead and run that and he does and then that gets everybody out to out to get him, um, which is, or that gets everybody out to, to plan how to take over the city, which is a pretty good Frank plot. But I do like the idea of him and the Kingpin working better together. I just, I don't know that it ever quite comes to fruition the way like Daredevil stole the Kingpin, you know, from Spider-Man. I, yeah. I just yeah, got yeah. so angry at him, you know, starting this gang war and then being like, oh man, a lot of civilians are getting killed. Um, whoops. Yeah, like, like what, whoops, what did he guess, think would happen? He thought and, they were at all And then me. constantly... Yeah, in the constantly, like, bemoaning, like, oh, so much blood on my hands, so tired, can't wait to stop, <laughs> circle of blood, like, and, like, this him doing, like, the Batman thing, but, like, while, you know, still wading into all these mob wars, like, I can't wait till I stop crime forever, right. like, you know, just absolutely <laughs> delusional. It, it made me feel like that in, in some capacity, mobs are, are required. Well, that's actually one of the more interesting kingpin arguments yeah. i think wilson yeah because in yeah. like the miller daredevil he'll be like i fu- i serve a function yeah. in society like if you remove me there's a vacuum to crime that actually leads to more violence like it's like under my thumb essentially is the- and again like this is you know self-serving argument but you can kind of the way the story plays out you can kind of see like yeah i kind of get that yeah you know like it it actually makes some sense the way he's describing it at least because I, I think that sequence ends very very coolly for the kingpin where he's like daredevil you work for me right like by by beating up bad guys and putting them away and all this and that like you're doing you're doing my job for me essentially um so yeah i i think you're probably right in that regard and punisher is just like yeah it is a very batman ethos which is a very appealing that sort of hard line no all crime it's a it's a war and it'll go on forever until it i don't even think the until i win part of it is like even really a part of the statement Mm -hmm. it's not it's not an expectation almost you know he talks about it like it is in this one and it feels silly like it's just like you know he he's like ah as soon as this mob war is over i can finally rest yeah (laughs) who are you kidding (laughs) what are you talking about which i wonder is more just like well they had a mini series and yeah, they right. Were done at five issues. There's only 11 more know. criminals in New York City, and then I'll be done forever. Like, and there'll be yeah. no more. Everyone's gonna be making it. jam in New York. So watch your Broadway <laughs> right, sourdough. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Yeah. So Punisher it, again. Like I think too. Like if you're a big fan <clears throat> of these comics, they are pretty well constructed. Again, I really like the Mike Zach arc. Um, yep. Like uh, well regarded Punisher comics. You know. So I, I think definitely are perspective here is is less punisher friendly than i'm sure you're going to find in marvel comics um and i don't know it's just kind of it's a a tougher character for me to get into uh as a fan of this universe he doesn't quite embody or encompass a lot of what i like about marvel comics which is 
pr admittedly like pretty shiny, pretty spectacular, pretty cosmic in a lot of cases. You know what I mean? Like getting down and dirty at the Punisher's level is a lot of times not what I'm looking for in, in Marvel. I think, yeah, I think he like, he almost works better for me like Doctor Strange where he's in other people's comics. Right? I'm more interested in seeing like, I don't know if I'm interested in like following him as much as I am like watching other characters bounce off of him. Because uh, like, I like him showing up in Spider-Man and Daredevil comics. I like them having to deal with him. Right. Yeah. I you agree. know what was actually really fun uh, recently is, um, and I won't spoil anything here, but in the War of the Realms event, which is 2019 event, um, and long story short, it's like Earth people versus Asgard, right? And uh, Punisher takes on like a bunch of frost giants, okay? And it's it's like this kind of goofy like high concept, like, hey, what if we mash up these worlds that don't work together? But then it actually <clears throat> leads to a spinoff series, Punisher Kill Crew, which is super fun because it takes all the the kind of the violence and the real human cost of what his like war on crime is takes all that out of it and it's like yeah what if we put him up fighting monsters and that actually has like a very real appeal i think right now with the character so there are inventive ways to have him be a part of of things you know i think um but it, it takes him doing i've been Frank, waiting. i think you were gonna say something yeah, yeah i've just been waiting for them to inject some sort of like magic with uh the Punisher. I've always felt like he had this like mystical thing, like he could get shot a couple times and he's good to go. Just to stand, mm. but I don't know. I've I've always been waiting for that route to go where they totally rewrite him. And and to your point, Dave, to have something where it's like him fighting like monsters and things that he realize that makes the war on crime in Hell's Kitchen seem like totally different and and, and minuscule. Yeah. Yeah, I no, mean that would I be a, that works. one direction to to get rid of the problematic part of him. Right. Is like, yeah, he's fighting, you know, werewolves now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like something that we don't feel bad being like, yeah, werewolves are just bad. We can just say that, right? Like, it's not you know people who are here because of socioeconomic problems. It's you know, it's just it's werewolves. Clear, clearly, you have not seen what we do in the shadows because werewolves have feelings and they have <laughs> Zach. <laughs> all right. Um. So all right, I think that's gonna do it for Punisher yeah, one yeah. through five. Uh, again, like I think to be a little, you know, to be fair to the whatever to to the comics, um, like they're going to come and <laughs> to yell at me or to something. To defend the comics honor, <laughs> yeah. To, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, comics. Let me defend Diana. Uh, to defend these a little bit, this is the start of the Punisher as we know him. Like all of what we're talking about is baggage you, that you has that, developed. Daredevil, over time. he he didn't feel that different than he did in Daredevil. There was like that one issue of Daredevil from his point of view. That felt very like, all right, this sure. is Frank Castle. He's prepping stuff from his war van. He's writing his war journal. And I felt like, I mean, this is the first time he's solo doing that. But like, I feel like Frank Miller really uh, got this ball rolling. Yeah, I, I think that's some some well-deserved credit on that front, too. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely like this is because now we're going to launch into an era of Punisher ongoings, like in the years in the years to follow here, where he's going to yeah. have longer runs. Uh, you get Jim Lee doing some art on that, which is interesting. You get his War Journal series launching, right? So now he becomes now he becomes an institution at Marvel, uh, and we'll see that yeah. play out, obviously through the '90s in particular. All right, we have a gazillion X Men comics to talk about. Uh, so these again, these are all the comics we read are listed out in the show notes. Um, you can find them there, or if you are a uh, patron backer at patreoncom year, you can find them all for as little as one dollar a month in a, a very tidy spreadsheet. We're gonna hop from series to series here uh, because this one is a little different. The first issue we're gonna talk about is New Mutants number thirty-five, which I include on this list. We are in still in the era of Chris Claremont and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz to a degree. 
We have Mary Wilshire pencils on this issue with Sienkiewicz inks. So it's it's a little different, even though it still has that Sienkiewicz flavor obviously being involved. Mm-hmm. I actually highly recommend reading, like, if you dig, again, if you're digging X-Men and Mutant stuff, I highly recommend all of Uncanny and New Mutants during this time. Basically basically everything, uh, you know, th- that Claremont's writing, but then and then some, as we're going to get into. Uh, but the reason I include 35 is I wanted to give us a feel for post-Uncanny X-Men number 200, what mm-hmm. is it like being at uh, Xavier's mansion with Magneto as the headmaster? Because that is a new flavor and a new feel uh, for this this series. I really like this time of New Mutants because Magneto as the headmaster is so strange. You know, this longtime villain, but he's like totally turned a leaf now. Where mm-hmm. everyone's just like, yeah, Magneto's cool now. <laughs> like, except the Avengers. The Avengers are like, oh yeah, you uh, you can't go talk to the x-men right now they're working with a villain and like captain america's being you know like predictably uh pretty judgy about the whole thing <laughs> oh for sure well and that's a part yeah. of this that's a part of this run is uh i think i don't know if it's i'm gonna guess issue 39 is like a big avengers verse magneto throwdown where the new mutants are like hey stop that's our teacher <laughs> like, please <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's definitely a big part of it um magneto is far from perfect and he's goes through a lot of really weird decisions he has to make particularly in regard to secret wars 2 uh so and obviously which we talked about previously unfortunately did we did read and talk about that it is the worst but uh but after secret wars 2 magneto has to deal with the new mutants being like crazy depressed because the beyonder ended them and made everyone forget they existed and uh yeah that would that would be traumatic so all right my spiel's over i like zero a lot zach frankie what do you think about magneto as the new mutants headmaster i loved it I love Magneto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even even him like sending them to the danger room immediately. Like, hey, yeah. hey, it's time to train, man. I've I've just always been a fan of Magneto. Um, so I thought this was an interesting take. Um, and to your point, like them being depressed, I I love the teenage angsty like feeling because to be honest, as a teenager, that is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You know what I mean? And I really love the way that they tackled it. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, well, like the new mutants, they're not like the X-Men where they've, they don't think they've clashed with Magneto, right? Like that was all before their time. Exactly. So like they just have this kind of like, oh, him, he's a super villain. Right. But like some of them are like, I don't know, he seems fine to me, right? Like it's like the hothead, like um, Robert DaCosta is like angry about it. And uh, what's his name? Doug Ramsey, Cypher, is like mad about it for a little while, but they get one over. And, like, this is really the issue with, like, Magneto trying to, like, prove himself. Like, I'm on your side. I'm your teacher. And I think... I like that he has to prove himself to these kids. And that he kind of feels like he needs to prove it to himself, right? Like, he's like, I don't know. Like, can I do this? Can I fit into this role? Can I live up to, like, Charles's dream and his, like, expectations of me? You know, while not, like, sacrificing my principles, right? Like, not gonna let humans walk all over us. I like to remember that some of... They told the line of being... I don't want to say villainous but they've definitely all done not all but a lot of them have done some shady things that maybe they can empathize with magneto on the level like you said Zach, like they haven't they haven't personally gone head to head with magneto so it's like i don't know like cannonball can say hey yeah i i kind of worked for this guy um and he was terrible and i get why you know I don't know. I just I just felt that where he was like, I need to prove myself to you guys. And they were more accepting because they're they're pretty nuanced. Each character is nuanced in their own right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. you, you get such a like, good idea. That, oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I like the, um, as readers, we've come to have this sort of nuanced understanding of Magneto over the last several years, right? Like, we know now that he is a Holocaust survivor, right? And that has become a big part of his character. And it's kind of, you can definitely get a, a bit much bigger feel for, like, okay, why has he taken the actions he has? Why has this been his approach mm-hmm. to, you know, mutant liberation in the Marvel Universe? And I, I can see, like... The one thing the New Mutants can't say at this point in time is this guy's not on our side or like this guy doesn't right. have our backs. Like they know like they know that if they know their their history even a little bit. Um, so it is very interesting to see. Yeah, I think Magneto is he it's probably bigger to him to live up to the idea of Professor X that he has in his head that we know is is a false ideal that we know professor x kind of sucks <laughs> like like he makes yeah. mistakes all the time cuz he's cuz he's a hypocrite right? right that's like the biggest thing is that he's such a hypocrite right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus magneto, magneto still know thinks what of him. he stands for sure yeah yeah so it's good stuff i do want to call out to you in in issue 35 um it's something that's going to come up again in our our patron special issue in new mutants number 41 uh danny moonstar gets um like frat boys uh attempt to assault her and she yeah, is yeah, yeah. saved by brightwind her valkyrie horse who's the best um and, and this this same idea kind of gets recycled in new mutants number 41 um i don't quite know what the criticism is honestly other than recycling it uh but there's a there's definitely claremont leaning into like hey uh these like young men harassing danny moonstar is like a common thread here um which which feels like something that you know maybe is true to life right like addressing that that would happen um i don't i don't know necessarily that it really goes yeah no i mean i get what you're issue, saying like but it comes up I mean, yeah i mean i think, I think yeah, some of it goes sure. into the trope of her being native american um yeah, yeah. and you know just her being the one to be vulnerable enough to to be assaulted in that way especially with her power levels and and just because of what she can do and, and just how amazing she is. So then it, yeah. it becomes an issue when you're like, why is this always happening to Danny? She's so dope, right? And yeah. It, yeah, it's, right. it's like, it, it, so I think that's where a lot of the controversy comes from. Um, especially since, I, I mean, she's one of the only Native American um, that I can think of off, off the top of my head. It's her and uh, Wyatt Wingfoot and... Uh... In Fantastic Four are really like the two. It's two. Yeah. The two prominent ones. It's yeah. two. You get John Proudstar on a on the for like two issues. Yeah. Hellions. Did I get that? Oh yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, Hellions. Dave, Dave has a I hard time pronouncing this word. Like exactly. from hell. From like the word hell. It's not he. He's, he says Helions. So. Yeah, it's it's my greatest mispronunciation. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think you're totally right. I think Danny first off is an incredible character. Like I think of of so the cool. New Mutants in this era. I mean. There's no one more interesting, especially now that she's oh, got these um, Valkyrie. I'm sorry, uh, Rain exists. So, <laughs> Rain is not Rain is not as interesting as she's going to be. No, she's not. I just still. I love Rain. I don't know. Just just yeah. as a character. Yeah, yeah. She's just rad. She's just like she's so sweet and like. You're only happy when it her. rains. You love Rain the character. Oh, it's, okay. We know you. Yeah. No, but Danny Danny's so cool. Um. So yeah, I guess it is like. It, it's upsetting, to, obviously, as it's as it's meant to be, right? It's not mm-hmm. supposed to be like a fun scene, um, but it's upsetting to see her put in these positions over and over again. I, I do think New Mutants number forty one is even more complicated. Uh, well, yeah, that's I mean that's coded with like the racism, right? Specifically, this is 
Just I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's like, coding, even. It's it's pretty out. Yeah, it's pretty it's out there. Right? Like, he's <laughs> yes, literally calling it's explicitly her, you know, slurs or yeah, a bunch of slurs. And the, yeah. and it's yeah. also a plot device that's used often in comic books that becomes a big source of conversation, right? From Barbara Gordon yeah, yeah. to you know this sexual assault thing being sure. away as a plot device as the only plot device um, to propel yeah. a a, right. a woman's story is you know tired and they do it yeah. twice. Yeah, I, like I feel like we haven't seen it too much like it, it hasn't become so obvious yet by this point that like it feels like a, a worn lazy crutch i don't know at least for me so? what we i think read, some of it is it, like it totally subtext. Gets there, right? even in the like um the phoenix saga um and it's i'm totally blanking me please correct me but like when gene joins uh the club and she's brainwashed yeah. you, you know yeah. that's a that's a point the killing joke as i mentioned before yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the era of it too because like i just read like i said the green arrow yeah longbow hunters and that's like the whole thing is like sex sexual violence against women or exactly. violence that is it's not even sexual violence in that it's like fetishized violence yeah against women to, used as like heh, this is adult stuff get it like yeah <laughs> and, and often not actually wanting to you know grapple with that in any empathetic way or you know from the woman's point of view um this you know this i feel like danny you know she it didn't ring any i don't know it didn't like set off any alarm bells for me at least for like danny's reaction right she like she gets herself out of it. it's not an excuse for like a boy to come save her right i guess the horse right. comes and saves her but that feels like an extension of her and, i don't um, know brightwin's gender i will admit. <laughs> oh yeah could be non-binary I mean, as far as i'm yeah, concerned i don't know yeah. all, all all horses are boys i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no i right i've always thought about that <laughs> yeah um it's like all dogs are boys all cats are girls like, <laughs> even though more, more of my cats are boys but yeah geez these unconscious biases i didn't even didn't yeah. even realize i had you're right no these aren't they're facts sorry they're fa- <laughs> 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 um yeah so like uh the she she gets saved by brightwind and um and then like the the conclusion of this is that magneto Ma- brightwind brings magneto to the frat house uh and uh and magneto just like tears the place up and yeah holds himself back from like slaying them like he said specifically like you know if, if i was not in the position i was in right now like you caught me on a good day right yeah, like this right. week i'm headmaster i can't kill you but i would have and uh you know i don't know scares them i guess for their their crime one of them says he's going to turn himself into the police which felt uh flimsy to me i would have done exactly what magneto did yeah yeah pin him to the wall and then like tear the house down around him i mean it was pretty cool it's a pretty cool uh pretty cool intimidation for sure you know what i mean yeah (laughs) sure yeah i like i just want to point out mary wilshire's art i really like it like Mm -hmm. she's she seems like she's playing around with the same realm that bill sinkevitz is but it feels distinctly hers it's really it's like really clean and easy to read while still having this like interesting abstract style so i was in it like it's so colorful um the uh, the colorist Petra Skotsky Skotis um yeah there's there's two two ways to pronounce it those are the two I I do wish uh, Wilshire was on the book a little bit longer honestly because yeah. it it is an interesting progression from Sienkiewicz's like absolutely almost absurdist artistic expression which can be I I love it certainly as like inventive techniques but it's also not the it's not the cleanest thing right it's not the easiest story to follow sometimes I, at least i can see that opinion wilshire sure. kind of bridges that gap a little bit especially with yeah, King, yeah, King, yeah, where it's definitely. like still that same not quite as crazy inventive but it's got that feel to it um while while cleaning it up a little bit so i could see people that are actually more into to her work but we're going to move into like jackson i'm not totally sure how to pronounce this guise 
Guichi. Those are the two ways you could say that one too. <laughs> um, so yeah. So yeah. do we want to talk New Mutants number forty-one, our special, uh, now since we already sort of dug into? Yeah, sure. Waters. I don't. I don't see any reason we can don't have to talk about them out of order. So this is a, a patron special. This was provided by Justin over on Patreon.com/slash MyMoral this year for uh, for our biggest tier, for our absolute largest tier. Uh, you can put an issue on the reading list, and Justin was kind enough. Pump- pump justin up there feels like you were just trying to fluff justin he's on a real big <laughs> tier yeah good job justin and uh he he submitted uh an, uh, an issue we talked about last time on marvel fan for number 29 and this one is new mutants number 41 so justin thank you for your support and for the submission i think as we were talking about new mutants 41 it follows uh, danny taking brightwind actually on a flight from the new mutants uh mansion to uh, her home in the Rocky Mountains area, and uh, you know that very narrow area <laughs> in the in the Rockies. And she goes back home. and And Danny Moonstar, as we know, is Cheyenne. She goes and visits mom and dad, who we saw rescued way back in the Demon Bear saga. And uh, it basically, it's letting her get back in touch with her family a little bit, with her roots, um, but also then running into some people that she knew when she was younger uh, from school or whatnot. Uh, including, as we mentioned, this like uh, racist um, boy who also eventually, as it's revealed, has a huge crush on her, which is a weird situation and uh, pretty complicated. But it's it's a good Danny Moonstar solo showcase, I think. It's definitely sure, nice yeah. to get to let the spotlight on her. I, one of the coolest things about this territory is because she's a Valkyrie now, she can see the image of death. Yeah. above people's head so this this racist guy is you know saying hurling whatever slurs he is at her and obviously it's upsetting but then she sees the visage of death over him and is like now she takes interest now she's actually shows compassion like immediately which is to me like kind of amazing and um oh because he decide. i mean he's not just like throwing slurs at her he literally is just like yeah watch out on those back roads at night an accident could happen maybe even a fatal one like mm-hmm. yes yeah, this is a death threat like i can't get any more explicit that this is a death threat <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah all no, of his friends right. are like geez man like uh yeah 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 um, a, few se- a few steps too far for sure <laughs> um so she so she watches him to find out like okay what's gonna happen to him right. he gets drunk and doesn't take his insulin some company yeah, i thought he left his he left his insulin right? <laughs> something like that yeah he yeah. left it I yeah think. it's like revealed later that it was like a diet because yeah it sets it up to think that he was just drunk driving and then later you find out like it was some kind of like you know low blood sugar thing yes um Danny finds him. she to attempts to rescue him right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh totally yeah it's, yeah and she attempts to rescue him and to save him and uh, and thinks she has done so, thinks she fights off, again, like the literal embodiment of a Grim Reaper who in, in this is scenario like, is a cowboy, so, so cool. she gets to do a, a gun so duel. Cool. Like, yeah, awesome. So Dan- Danny, to save people, needs to fight off death when it when he come he they when they come for whoever it is and like and death appears in different ways so rad like Danny Moonstar. that's a miniseries it, I would so quickly subscribe to yeah is Danny yeah, fights yeah. different interpretations of death <laughs> like she literally has a gunslinger's like face off here like they have to both draw down quick on each other and she mm-hmm. bests death and it's right I mean I didn't care about this like racist kid like and I didn't really <laughs> oh really I was, I was really into him <laughs> 
I just you mean like, like the story is ba- based on this crux of like you know the the compassion that Danny Moonstar shows for him, and yes. I don't know like I'm I'm tired of the uh, you know like the the oppressed people needing to be like sweet and turn the other cheek mm-hmm. in these stories. Like mm. sometimes that can be like really uh, powerful, and you know show like. I don't know the the quality of one's character in a, in a way that feels genuine, right? Like, and then other times it just feels like it's the quick and dirty way to show that, like, yeah, these are good people, but it is feels like it's trying to build up these expectations of you know, like, yeah, you, this is what you should do, you know, like, doesn't matter how nasty and like racist or sexist or mutantist or whatever, like, all you can do is turn the other cheek and be the bigger person, and like, it gets tiring. I don't know, like, this is a plot device is. It loses its impact for me because Claremont leans on it a lot. And definitely the complication with this one in particular is Danny goes to reveal, what was it, his his heart's greatest desire, you know, with her, her mutant powers. Oh, and God, it's yeah. the two of them getting married. Yeah. Well, so, it's, it's that he wants to kill her with an axe and then kiss her. And it's like, God, Jesus, man. <laughs> I don't. I, I just, I didn't like it, Zach. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> care for it. I, I think that I, I interpreted it as his his hate was coming from a point of love and like i can never have that you know he was jealous Jealousy, of her powers yeah. and, and things like that i mean in the end he was done right he was finished yeah <laughs> so it yeah. doesn't matter yeah no yeah, yeah. no it doesn't i mean it really oh. is supposed to be about danny and her right. like her journey here of you know like forgiveness and compassion against like someone who just absolutely hates her for things that are out of her control right um yeah. but I, I do i do understand you, you're <laughs> yeah Right. No, I understand the the sort of criticism against like that trope. I do. I still just I like that ideal. I like holding the heroes of the Marvel Universe to those ideals, you know, essentially of just like that almost endless compassion, even in the face of just like, obviously, she should she obviously she should not be trying to save this kid's life. Obviously, she should not be bothering, you know, is sort of it's so easy to not and I, I do like, I'm always taken by when the heroes are like, yeah, I'm still going to save you. Um, right. it, you know, it's it's a trope that, that works for me most of the time. Yeah, I get what Zachary's saying too. It, it just means something different um, for Danny. But I, I did enjoy it. I just wish that they didn't do the cop out to make it. I wish he was just like stupid drunk and, and being ridiculous. And that's why he was in that situation. I think it would have read differently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point too, right? Because he also like, She's like, well, at last he found peace in his final moments, right? Like, he was he was redeemed by uh, realizing that he loved her and he shouldn't be mean anymore. Whatever, you know, like yeah, no, I don't yeah, think no, that I, works. I, I I agree with you. Like, I like that trope too. Generally, in the comics, like I like that in all kinds of superhero stuff. I just like it gets tiresome when it is like it continually becomes the analog for like racism, right? Like doesn't matter how nasty they are you just got to keep like turning the other cheek and it like that that specifically that button gets pressed too much for me yeah um at least in as much as that like even if i don't find it offensive i'm just kind of tired of it because it feels like a lazy thing for him to keep returning to so Mm, i get that um yeah all right out of the new mutants cave for now we got uncanny x-men number 205 uh, this is kind of an oddball. I just really like this issue. It's Chris Claremont, Barry Windsor oh, Smith. Yeah, it's uh, it's a this is kind of a solo Wolverine story. Although even calling it that is is mildly Wait, misleading. It, but before we before we get into this, okay. So Frankie, did you read what what else did you read from the list? Um, so I have a couple notes here, but I did read this one as well. Okay, all right. And did you get to the annuals? I did not. Okay, that that's fu- that's fine. I just wanted to know because like especially the annuals were uh, impenetrable. 
to me. Oh, they are dense. <laughs> and, uh, they are beasts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and and like this one was a little like wildly contorted, and I basically got what was going on. But I was like, I don't know how much background Frankie has on this. Like, I know you read X Men and stuff, but I feel like you have to have read the last ten years of Claremont within the last like two months to to, uh, to, to be able to like parse what is going on because there's like so much happening here. So I, I was curious from you know someone who has not read all this immediately. Um, how do I feel about it and, and things like that? Yeah. So like X Men Two Hundred Five, the one with Wolverine. How, how did you like, you know, have a clear idea of what was going on? Um, that's the one with um, Lady, Lady Deathstrike, Deathstrike, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the yep. snowstorm, and she's hunting Wolverine. Yep. Yes, yes, I said. Well, you know, I when I initially saw it, I I immediately thought of X two and how much better it was than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um and just just. I, I understood Lady Lady Deathstrike, right? Her and her being after Wolverine because she feels like um he stole he stole something from her father. Well not something, he stole the adamantium from her father. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I thought it was cool. Uh I've never been a big fan of Wolverine, so so watching that uh, yeah, I know it's a little shocking, but I've always thought I don't know, I just never liked him. So I was I wasn't as it's not it's never been as compelling to me as like uh, as the new mutants and things like that. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. certainly overused. I mean it's my. not just that he's he's overused. He's like short and smelly and Canadian and like <laughs> he, he just does some like really problematic. Can't things. argue with that. Um, yeah. Well, and this is definitely like Wolverine. This is like the most Wolverine, you know, kind it's of story like where it's just like, oh yeah, we're out in the wilds, <laughs> yeah, and we're just gonna have a big uh, bloody brawl for for reasons. Um, so Lady Deathstrike uh, is. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go on. Lady Deathstrike, it, her debut in the in the Marvelous Year Club and more or less in Marvel Comics, um, in this issue is super weird, and I think it's a weirdness that is going to uh, come up again when we talk New Mutants Annual and Uncanny X Men Annuals from this year as well, because this is the year of and the era of Mojo, uh, the spineless one, the weird big alien who loves to have uh, his TV shows and, and likes the X Men for stars in those in Alien Worlds and uh, and Body Shop. Okay, so the body shop is not going to be explained adequately by anyone ever. So don't look for that. <laughs> but essentially, it's managed by Mojo's henchman Spiral and her henchwoman Spiral, and she can basically give people the bodies of their dreams, or you know, sort of the the develop like the the cyborg tech, or sort of the you know whatever they're missing that she can give it to them. Right. So Lady Deathstrike somehow finds her way to her, and she gets. Not three claws, like Wolverine has, but five big old claws on each hand. And she's, like, at this point, more cyborg than than woman, I think. You know, by the time the body shop is done, but that's what she wants to be. Because she wants to hunt and make Wolverine pay for what she now perceives to be him having stolen her dad's life work, which was uh, developing, I think, like the adamantium fusion process. Which I think Something he actually like develops for Bullseye in an issue of Daredevil. Yeah, um, that's, but we that's the that part one. that I was like, well, I don't know what's going on here. She's mad at him because of <laughs> some revenge with their father. Her, the, the other her thing history is, with Wolverine feels like it should be more developed the way it's yeah, talked about sure. here, and I don't think it actually has been. Some in someone the in the Slack popped in today and wrote like three or four paragraphs because he was like, well, I was curious, so I went back and looked at it, and he like that's a lot of looking back. Curious. 
And I like read through what he yeah. wrote, and I was like, "Well, this is unintelligible. Like, this is <laughs> I have no idea what's <laughs> going on." And it still yeah. didn't explain the connection. the The one that did make a little more sense is that she's got three dudes with her who are the three members of the Hellfire Club that during the Dark Phoenix saga, yeah, he cut to ribbons, which is like a fun. I I like that as like a fun callback that you don't need to know, but if you do recognize it, you're like. Oh yeah, I've been paying attention for ten years now. <laughs> like, and I get those. Those are the kind of references that I'm into. The ones that don't have to matter that much, but like if you know it, that it's it's like a fun little wink. Well, and I think that's one of the things Claremont does better than anybody in Marvel at this point is because he's doing this extremely long form storytelling. He can mm-hmm. pull guys who were these henchmen who got, like you said, cut up in a in a Wolverine violence showcase by John Byrne way back in the Dark Phoenix saga, and now they have names, <laughs> the mm-hmm. Reese Mackin and, and something, Tank Wheels, and uh, they, they're cyborgs and they're Reavers, and they're going to be part of the X-Men universe. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, that is fun sort of for the people who are super into this and have been dedicated, but you also don't need to know it. Like clearly yeah. if you just read it, Hey, they're the bad guys. You, you get that. Right. And then also power packs here, right? The uh, Kate from power pack. Marvel's pushing yeah. power packs so hard. And I it's just so feel funny. bad for power pack. <laughs> Though I like their inclusion. They're another one where I'm like, I'm glad to have them around. Even if I don't like that series. You know what I was much. thinking about is if you're, if you're trying to get people to read power pack story of young kids with, fun powers and it's written in a pretty whimsical style and you, and <laughs> you your take in. to do that is like yeah. hey what if we threw one of the kids in uh you know this uh like extremely violent snow chase where lady deathstrike's trying to kill wolverine like how about how about we get power pack readers that way and, and like, at one know point your wolverine, a little. and it's like wolverine may kill this six-year-old girl because his brain is still like yeah screwed up from uh from being attacked which i like that detail that detail is fun to me that like wolverine uh, is not quite himself because <laughs> yeah because yeah, he has like brain damage and it takes a little while for his brain to like regain it, like himself again so like there's a while that he's there you know that you could have like an unhinged wolverine because he hasn't healed right like mm-hmm. uh, that's a fun a fun detail yeah so uh barry windsor smith is doing the art i love it like he's doing everything here Inks, yeah he's doing the, letters yeah, exactly. colors i think the whole the whole shebang yep yeah I'm wild about his art here um and yeah, it's. I mean, it's basically that, right? There's the snowstorm. The Kate from the Power Pack. Do you know the Power Pack, Frankie? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I just feel like if unless you read the My Marvelous Year Club, I don't know why anyone would know who Power Pack is. Like, I. I did. It's it's one of those things you read all together with the X Men. Um, my dad is, yeah, sure. and he's gonna kill me for not finishing. Uh, <laughs> what you sent me today, but my dad is a big, a big <laughs> X Men fan, so. Um, he's been shoving, he's probably the only reason why the power pack is still a thing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Cause they're not even mutants, right? They're just like kind of mutant adjacent, right? They definitely feel like they're part of the, I mean like alpha. I mean, fight, I think the right? biggest connection kinda... is, is the, the creator, co-creator Louis Simonson, um, is also an editor and then a writer on X factor. So like there's sort mm-hmm. of a, like a team creative team energy. Yeah. Sure. Where those things are, you know, like like Louis Simonson, Chris Claremont, Anna Senti, um, all those names, like they all weave together, right? So they're types of their projects. Then, like Anna Senti writes a long shot mini, and now long shot becomes an uncanny X Men player, right? So they all kind of work together pretty uh pretty seamlessly. And I think yeah, that's so cool it's... when um whenever the X Men interact with non mutants, um mm-hmm. I I think those are my favorite the my favorite part because my biggest question about X Men always was. Why is it so hard for them versus everyone else they interact with who are similar? Um, It's just, I always saw it an interesting dynamic. 
Yeah, yeah. So this is a good uh, standalone issue. The next, let's see, we got uh, the two annuals, which are massive. I I don't want to do a massive breakdown no. of these no, annuals. Zach, I have to imagine you agree. Okay. Um, I have these, no, these are absolute beasts. I have no idea what was happening here. I've never... I. I don't think I've ever felt more loss in anything in the club than this. And I was like, and I don't even think it was a case of like, you know, I'm not reading like everything that Claremont's done. I don't think it's no, a they're case weird. Of like, I'm they're skipping weird, around. Yeah. I think it is a case of like, these are just strange comics that are really poorly structured, and they're trying to play in this like, you know, well, and they're too long. Realm. Oh my god! What, it's what like they lack in structure, they make up the for two. in length. Which is wild because it's like you have 43 pages and you still put out an unintelligible story it's weird because like claremont is not usually this you know this no. messy right? so so we're talking here about new mutants annual number two and uncanny x-men annual number 10 here here are my big takeaways from these mm-hmm. um these are both following up again on like mojo as an x-men villain and again spiral the body shop and this weird like psychic realm called the wild ways okay if you read these there's a very surreal element to them which is intentional i think like this wild ways thing is not it's not reality it's an unreality it's alien literally and mojo is trying to create ultimately great like entertainment for the masses right that is his role now he's not as he's not as deliberately like x-men 90s animated series as he's going to become at this point like he's less like the big tv hollywood you know hotshot kind of personality he's just a really strange alien God, in is a that lot of where ways. they keep going with I, I this is the first time i've ever seen mojo period and anything like, yeah i knew his name i didn't know anything about him i didn't know what he looked like i like his design his design's kind of fun like um, the wild ways is a tv show i think yeah is, I, is the thing that is it, it's yeah. easy to read these and not even get that and i say that you know totally myself. like and, yeah. and like not knowing whether or not action is taking place in the real world because i like there were times where i was like oh, okay this is some weird alternate wild ways universe thing and then they would yeah. fly over a street and civilians would be like oh well, look at that and i'd be like wait are we in new york city because i don't know what's happening here mm-hmm. yeah good i'm glad i'm not the only one that these were pretty pretty tough to parse no they're they're intentionally tough i think uh, so again like the takeaways here one you get the claremont and alan davis partnership kind of gearing up um, they're going to go on to do a series called Excalibur. We'll, we'll check out when we get there. Alan Davis here, he's an artist and a writer who worked on Captain Britain for a good long while in the 80s. Um, he's mm-hmm. got a long history with Excalibur and with the X-Men that definitely you know, we're going to see play out over the course of the club. But he, that's why I think a big reason he's the, the artist and penciler on this Betsy Braddock-focused issue where we really haven't talked about Betsy, I don't think, so far in the club. Um Betsy Braddock no, is no. the sister of Brian Braddock, Captain Britain. She has mutant telepathic abilities all her own. Uh, I think, let's clarify, for the time being, she is a white British woman. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> if you have a, another perception, we'll get there, uh, and we'll talk about it then. Um, but she loses her eyes in an issue of Captain Britain, I think written and drawn by Davis, um, definitely drawn. And she loses her eyes in that. So when we meet her here, she's blind, but she can use her telepathic powers to see. So the, the action of the issue centers around Mojo and Spiral basically being like, I don't think they even really offer her. They just kind of kidnap her and are like, here, take some eyes. So she gets, by the end of this, new eyes from Mojo, but she knows they're like kind of weapons. Like they're kind of like she's now spying on the team. I don't know if she knows she's spying, but she knows they've been implanted by this creature yeah, that clearly wishes them up. harm. Yeah. Right? So that's like... The biggest takeaway is everything that happens to her. Um, also, her and Doug Ramsey have like a tiny little romance, which I feel like age-wise does not check out. I 
haven't checked because I don't really <laughs> want to have to explore that complication. Yeah, she seems like she's an adult and Doug is 16, something like that. Something like that. And they yeah. do the gross, like, you know, she reappears naked on his lap, whatever. It's gross. Um, the, uh, you do get, like, baby X-Men here. Uh, like Mojo Oh, that's the other X-Men highlight. Into- into babies <laughs> Lots of and babies. this is in the yeah. the arthur is it art adams yeah is doing the art yeah. here which is great like his art's great even if the story is still pretty unintelligible but like yeah you get the the young child version of like wolverine and storm and stuff and and that's fun especially wolverine wolverine like with the little juggernaut helmet um very fun is, is, i, I is think if cute. you yeah. don't read any of the dialogue in uncanny x-men uh, annual number 10 and you just want to skim through the art adams art yeah i, I get it so. i get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's why yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I walked away being like, well, I hope I never see Mojo again because I don't care about like I'm a TV producer on a, you know, on a topsy turvy carnival world. This is yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like something. Is there a good Mojo story? Are we gonna have like the definitive Mojo story, or is this something? I mean, these are these are like the biggest Mojo stories right. of of this time period. So if you're not digging these, uh, go watch X Men the animated series, and that's yeah, like, it's kind of probably... like um, what's his face Arcade, where I'm just like, yeah, I just don't I don't like your whole deal. Oh no, I, guess see, I don't like. Arcade's fun, the though. Like, Mojo it. here is, like, like hard to read. <laughs> arcade is more fun. I'll give you that. Yeah. I like I like Arcade more. But just on his okay. face, I'm like, I can't imagine a good Arcade story. Well, um, you just got to reread some of those issues we covered. Yeah. So, X-Factor, number one. Last this issue is, we're going to talk about here. Yeah, and this is... X-Factor, number one. I feel like a big deal, because this is um, a mutant story that Chris Claremont's not writing, right? Like, Chris mm-hmm. Claremont is not here. This is Bob Layton and Jackson... Guiche. That's a third way of saying it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yep. gu- guiche? Gu- guise? I don't know. I feel I feel bad. <laughs> anyway, guise sounds like how my son would say grease. So yes, I'm digging exactly, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're sorry, Jackson. Um, yep, but Bob Layden writing. And this is basically like, hey, the Defenders didn't work out. Let's retool it and just make it like the, you know, all the mutants who have like drifted the away defenders. from X-Men. Right? Well, because like Iceman and Angel, right? Weren't they? Champions. The uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about that, Dave. They're on the champions. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, no, if we're bringing back it, the original five. Well, they they brought up... Did, wait, wasn't Angel on... Are you sure one of them was on the Defenders? One of them talked about... I thought Angel Angel's about, on like, the Defenders for a minute, but Iceman's oh, on okay. the champions. Which also surprised me because he was like, since the Defenders broke up and there's an asterisk and it says, like, Defenders 152. And I was like, God, that series went for 152 issues. Yeah. That's insane. That series Do you, Defenders. Long. Uh, yeah, so we get the originals back here on a team. This is post-resurrection of Jean Grey, which we talked about, I think, last episode. Hey, this is the original X-Men lineup. I was like like we've I been saying, Zach, no, welcome no, to the party. I, no, I literally, I'm like on the Wikipedia page, and I'm just looking at the five names, and I'm like, <laughs> Scott Summers, Jean Grey, Beast, Angel, Iceman. Hey! <laughs> like, that no joke just occurred to me. I'm sorry. The most, the most interesting thing... <laughs> So about <laughs> about X Factor here to me is uh, Scott Summers, Frankie. I hate Scott what, Summers. Wh- <laughs> 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 That's really what I was queuing yeah, up. Yeah, you guys know this is I him at his it. worst. No, I'm yeah. I'm I'm with Frankie on this one. Like I I think this team sucks. It's super boring. Uh, I don't know if she thinks the whole team sucks, but I that's do. a little harsh. Well, I, no, I mean, it's, not. it's, it's boring. The art is amazing. Right. And, yeah, and to good. re-see, like, nice and to clean. see them yeah. redone and it's crisp and it's colorful. I mean, I was a fan, but I've the only time I've ever liked Scott Summers is recently um, okay. yeah. In, yeah. in House of M. No, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, House of X. Yeah. yeah. It's the only time yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I've ever I've always thought he's he's problematic um, and he's just 
he's just a tall. I don't know. I I just don't like that he's always. I mean, he's in trouble. And he's he kind of boring. And, yeah, yeah, he's boring, and I just feel like he should be more of a a threat as a like six foot four man who like shoots lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> to, to be fair, this yeah. comic also kind of. I don't know if they do it. I mean, I think they definitely frame it intentionally that like, yeah, Scott Summer sucks. Like yeah. he's leaving his wife and newborn. Like he's not present. Right. Like he is. He is. I think, I think the comic. In this I issue, think the comic yeah. knows that. Right. It's. It's not like trying to pretend that he's like some kind of hero here. So at least no. It's that so let, I let's just... specify the crimes though. So so Scott yeah. Yeah. is currently living in Alaska, married to Madeline Pryor, a a dead ringer for his recently for his deceased. Wife. Bride to be uh, Jean Grey. And like, so I kept expecting this to be like, since the beginning, I was like, well, this is going to turn out to be Jean Grey or something, right? Yeah. And uh-huh. then like, it's not like Jean Grey is just back. And it's so, it's just like, oh, it really was just like, man, so you look it, like my, you look creepy. like my dead girlfriend. Yeah. Creepy. And it's like, yeah, it's not something where he's like captivated because it's literally just Jean Grey, you know, but with her mind wiped or something. And he's just like enamored. It's just a woman who's just like, hey, you're 85% look like my old ex-girlfriend it's 99 it's 99.9 and um the other the other complication here or i guess scott would see it as a complication is they recently had a kid little baby nathan Nathan. is uh is up there in anchorage alaska with maddie and scott says hey guess what i just found out uh oh i think warren calls him angel calls him and says hey gene's Mm. back scott's Mm -hmm. like no way and he's like no for real come here and he's like, yep, cool. Just had an argument with my wife about needing to be around more. I'm bailing. I'm out of here. I'm going to New York. And he does that. And he leaves. And he just goes to New York and joins X-Factor. And his, his wife and kid are still just in Alaska. Like, it's there's no defending Scott from this decision-making. I, mean, I don't know that the last even page of, Yeah, the last page of the comic is literally her sitting by herself in a dark room, like, like falling asleep on the couch waiting for him. Uh, yep. you know, like, it clearly is framing him as, you know, he's a monster here. I just remember him, like, standing on a... Uh, on a balcony brooding and mm-hmm. I was just yep. like he's the worst <laughs> like, <I was> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she's like yeah, what's wrong <laughs> and yeah. I was like he's awful so, I so will say this- I kind of like modern Scott Summers a little like there's there's been a modern salvaging of him which I won't spoil um, but he be- he becomes a very different character yes. when you're reading certain eras of comics so mm-hmm. if you're out there like oh, but I like Cyclops like yeah there, there are reasons to but they well, come he later. might be now so like i mean whoa hey we can't run that i mean that's not canon that's like you know that's pretty close to canon my man it's strongly winked at like (laughs) yeah i i I read that wink and i took that wink to mean yes (laughs) yeah i mean all right well i'll I'll bleep that out bleep yourself Um, yeah so the the, like the thrust of this is that it's the original team and you angels like frustrated at not being able to be a good superhero his superhero teams keep falling apart champions defenders and so he wants with all his money that's a funny play. hook for for to have for angel <laughs> right. i would like it if that was his thing he's so always he, like, making the bad teams yeah <laughs> yeah well like whatever team he lands on ends up falling apart yeah yeah that's a good hook um, for a character yeah so that he forms x-factor okay so my idea of x-factor was like very different i think from what this was i was very surprised by this because my idea of x factor was like the black ops mercenary team doing like the dirty work for <laughs> yeah. uh for the x-men yeah. that was my idea no you're thinking of this... x-force yeah, i am thinking of x-force okay yes. that's yep yeah. so which i have not read um 
No, this is Warren Worthington is like, how do we save the mutants? Well, we'll put out anti-mute, like, really nasty mutant ads being like, are you scared of the mutant threat? They're coming for your children. Uh, call us and we'll take care of it. And like, we're mutant exterminators. And it's like, I hated that. <laughs> I thought that this sucks so bad. It's a pretty wild plan, right? Like, so their, their approach is to say, well, essentially we can't really fight this hate so what if we just used it why don't we fuel, to fuel I mean, uh finding mutants essentially they're like well these yeah. these you know bigoted people will tell us where mutants that they hate are and then we can go help them it's it's bonkers but it's also like well it, i can see the thinking that gets them there where they're like well at least we can find people we can help yeah i mean it's just the the, the way that they also like the advertisements are literally being like, mutants are humankind's greatest threat. They might be living next door to you. Call us now. Right, like, it's it's contributing to the, uh, yeah. you know, like, stoking those fires. Like, you probably could have done the same basic vibe without, like, but putting think, out such a nasty... I think that's how they per perceive that humans perceive them. Like, this yeah. is, this yeah, is right. the only thing that's going to resonate right. with them. So I, yeah. I, I think that's why it was that way. Like, hey, we're not going to... Subtlety is not their thing, so... Yes, sure, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it works, right? And, like, there's this little subplot about uh, a guy who keeps lighting on fire. Oh, oh, uh, there's a moment here where Jean Grey flies off um, and, like, she bursts through a wall and flies away because she's mad at Scott Summers. And Angel flies after her and she's just like, uh, Warren, how did you find me? And he's like, well, I saw you from 10 blocks over. My wings aren't the only part of me that's like an eagle. <laughs> and, like, he's talking about his eyes and it's like, one... What? Like what? Like Warren Worth? You're an angel, not an eagle. But like you have eagle <laughs> eyes. Like that's so weird. Like that you have eagle eyes. Like is that like a thing when, that sticks around? Yeah, I love it when Marvel characters are just like, oh, you didn't know about this new power I just made up. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then also, sure, man. I read that and immediately it was like, all right, well, I'm definitely gonna make a joke about this because like he's like the only part of it's not the only part of me that's not like an eagle so i typed in you know like eagle penis into google Me did you too. know that birds don't have penises except for like guts? <laughs> <laughs> so like i mean because i thought it, I, i've got a I lot there's a lot to unpack be, here zach i thought there's it was gonna be to like unpack. the duck thing where he's like i was gonna make a joke about like yeah i've got like a coiled barbed penis like a duck but no eagles don't have penises <laughs> They, first off, that's news to me. So good, yeah, good fact too. of the yeah. day. Second off, your Google search history is a mess. <laughs> I hope you did that incognito. Seriously, lock yeah, that thing down. I did not wipe that history <laughs> soon. I thought All I was right. the only well, one who let's read end that on that note. Though, so that I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's definitely. Um, yeah, so they they go recruit a new um, a new mutant who uh, Rusty on fire. Rusty Collins, baby. Oh, man, sorry. Also, just as an aside, another dirty joke. It just never ceases to, like, crack me up how um, Sam Guthrie, Cannonball, refers to his powers as blasting. Like, yeah. how he's just like, <laughs> Dave does not know that this is a euphemism for something, Frankie. So <laughs> you just you just we, take it literally... way dirtier than I ever do. I'm like, yeah, yeah my yeah. powers We're... are nigh invulnerable when I'm blasting. What's like wrong? Magneto, Magneto deprived. <laughs> <laughs> Magneto encases him in metal, and he's just like, "Oh no, it's too tight to blast in here." <laughs> and like every time he makes that joke, it just cracks me up. Oh, it's a very it. serious um, comic, Zach. Yeah, <laughs> can't believe you. Yeah. Anyway, so so, yeah, uh, so X Factor is an interesting guy's? debut. I, I what's think the guy's name it's Rusty, Rusty Collins. Collins. He he's going to be a player for a while. Okay. Yeah. Yep, Their I first guess. rescue. I, I don't know. I don't want to read any more X Factor, Dave. <laughs> well, well, here's the call out here. So Bob Layton writes this issue. And uh, Bob is not super long 
for X Factor. Uh, there okay. is going to be a turnover of, of creative talent. We are going to get the Simonsons on board here in coming years. We'll be reading some more at that point in time. Uh, oh, but yeah, I think for the, the time being, this next, is just like, yeah. hey, this team exists. We're going to see them pop in in the pages of like Uncanny and New Mutants. And like Professor X, for example, will be like, why are my original students running these uh, anti-mutant ads? Like it's a really <laughs> weird thing for him to see happening and he doesn't know what they're doing. It feels like one of those things that Chris Claremont might get back, right? And then do something interesting with. Like he's done that so many times. Like someone yeah. makes a mess of their mutant stories and Chris Claremont ring something interesting out of it yeah he never writes x-factor as far as i'm aware um okay. but there's definitely going to be that sort of editorial it's going to come under the same banner uh here oh. here in the near future so that does it that was a huge batch of yeah comics. That was, that was well done team yeah. um thanks everybody for listening uh you can find again the list for all the comics we're going to talk about uh in the show notes in our next episode we're going to cover the mutant massacre so we're actually going to go even deeper into x-men and we're going to do the whole mutant massacre event I've got a reading order over on comicbookherald.com. You can check that out uh, for the issue by issue because this is our first big X-Men crossover in the yeah. club, actually, sure. uh, where we have to hop from series to series. And that's actually kind of a newish thing for Marvel. Obviously, Secret Wars 2 notwithstanding. Um, so, all right. So that's our next episode. Uh, check out the, the list in the show notes. And before we do any other sign-off type stuff, uh, Frankie, can you uh, remind us where people can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube at Fantastic Frankie. Um, definitely recommend the Instagram if you have that platform. That's where things get crazy um, and adults. Mm -hmm. So please do not bring your pearls. Um, and you can also find me <laughs> on Twitter at Fanboy Fighter. And lately and on, I've been doing... Oh, the, I was going to say the podcast, right, that you've been... Yes, and you yeah, can actually yeah. find me monthly with um, Blurred Without Fear on YouTube. We do a podcast oh, nice. called Just Us League, um, mm -hmm. where we talk about whatever, actually. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fun. They're like, I, I get that, like, just kind of a free-flowing conversation, but I've Absolutely. been listening to those. And those those are a lot of good fun. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a little wild. Um, and if you're definitely into comics, which you are, if you're listening here, you'll really, really enjoy my my recent series where I hold um, comic book characters accountable for their actions. Um, it's a <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> I, I love that phrasing. No, I like I love it because like every time I, I love that, like half your comments are like, like, damn, why'd you have to come for Wonder Woman this way? But like, you're right. You know, and like, but I, I do appreciate like, I watch those videos and I, I like that you, you know, like kind of come at them hard, but also like it, you can really tell that you know and love these characters, right? And like, you kind of just want to hold them to a higher standard. So that like, clearly this is not some kind of like, yeah, I don't care about this and I'm just putting them on blast from, right. you know, some kind of like, I don't know, like outside perspective. Like you, uh, you really know what you're talking about. It comes across clearly. Um, that Wonder Woman one, like it hurts, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and that's why I, I make sure I cite and and I use a lot of sure, B-roll yeah. um, and images so you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, just yeah. halfway being a woman too, it's really I can't talk bad about these characters without a full yeah. resource reference list. <laughs> of course, right? Yeah. Uh, excuse me, can you show me your uh, credentials, please? Because. Uh... <laughs> Where, where did you where did you study comics at, young lady? Because <laughs> right, I've read doctorate. over fifteen thousand comics. Unless you've read this many and have them cataloged, uh, I don't think you could be speaking on those. Exactly. Yeah. yeah no, I definitely recommend all that stuff. I've been I've been 
checking out her stuff a lot lately and it's all great yeah yeah it's very good so thanks so much for joining us frankie uh, yes, this was super you. fun and uh you can find my stuff at compacurl.com you can find zach online at my marvelous year and music for the show is by disaster peace you can find them at disaster p-e-a-c-e anywhere you like to listen to your tunes uh what else do we like to plug anything else um no i don't i don't think so nothing okay. on okay thanks for listening everybody and as always we will see you next year see you next year